It's not even the same, like even side by side. I saw it. And, I was like, um, and like Jerry Lawler posted like him doing that spot with Eddie Gilbert in like 88. Yeah. <laughs> or do like, I don't know, Raven probably hit someone with it. Maybe yeah, it's seven, mean eight, it, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I, I thought they did steal it, but I don't care. Yeah, but like, there's no such thing as steal it, like because no. like, like, like people had, had already done it previous, you know, like. And to use like, imagine if like, um, to use another music analogy, but if, imagine if like someone's like, "No, I invented the G chord, mate. Yeah. <laughs> can't can't play that one." Well, if te- well, if Tom Petty was still here, he'd probably try and sue you for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day lads and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm your host Dom Philp on the mic, not too hard, not too soft, but just right. And we're coming to you live and free of charge on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. And the best way that you can support is rate, review, subscribe, or best of all, tell someone what we are doing over here. First episode in a brand new series and we are very, very keen to get some people involved. It's mostly for our friends, but if you're out there, there and you're not involved with the wrestling should be fun group maybe you found us on twitter 10,000 followers over there well maybe you want to tweet this out if you found us on instagram fewer than 10,000 followers there maybe you would like to instagram this out to your friends or maybe if you somehow stumbled across this you'd like to send a letter you would like to myspace someone you'd like to bebo someone you'd like to habo hotel someone tell someone what we're up to over here because we all know that there is a major major gap in the podcast industry for wrestling podcasts. I mean, I can't think of any other wrestling podcasts that are worthwhile listening to at the moment. It really is not a saturated market at all. So we thought, hey, why don't we get some more episodes going a little bit more frequently? There's been some in the past with the drunk cast and the draft episodes, but we're going to try to make this more of a regular thing, making no promises about a weekly show. But hopefully as we move forward, we'll have different hosts all the time, people from the group, as well as different topics to discuss on a fairly regular basis. So keep an eye out, subscribe to this in your regular podcast provider, and then every now and then you'll get a nice little Easter egg, a nice little birthday present, a nice little surprise of a wrestling should be fun pod. Today's episode, sponsored by the Briscoe Brothers Body Shop, is all about our 2021 predictions. In the month of January, we wrote an article on the website, wrestlingshouldbefun.com, and Matt Brummett, Matt Connolly, Ross the Boss Casey, and myself all gave some pretty out there predictions for wrestling in this year. We we covered the full gambit of wrestling, stuff from Japan, stuff from America, stuff from the UK, and all over the world. Um, And really, what we've done is we're going to to record two podcast episodes where we walk through that article in a little bit more depth and talk you through the reasoning behind our predictions. Up today, we're going to hear from Mr. Matthew Brummett, first and foremost, and then we're going to hear from Ross, the boss, Casey, Matt Connolly, Dom Philp, giving comments as we go along. Let's get into the show. I, I, I haven't listened to any music this year, so I didn't know any, really. I knew Cardi B. That was number six. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't really. 
How did the Razor Man thing do? <laughs> it not not as strong as Booker T by Bad Bunny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if this pandemic calms down, I'm going to see Bad Bunny in Porto um, this year. Well, not actually. Yeah, well, not. I'm not going to see Bad, but I didn't see. <laughs> I didn't see jumping off of that, he's at a festival that I'm off to. I'm going to see Pavement, and uh, about another hundred bands happen to be there. So. Yeah, I. I once saw Fozzy. Have you guys ever seen Fozzy? I, I hope it wasn't at one of his like non-social distances that he's been doing recently. Gone. It it what it was, but it was a long time before that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably can't judge you for that. <laughs> I, <laughs> it was. They played like this big metal festival in Australia called uh, Soundwave. Um. I don't know if that's one of the ones that you guys also have over here, but it's like, it's the Australian equivalent of download, I suppose. Yeah. And it was just like, it was, it's like headlined by Metallica, The Offspring, Blink, we're all there. Like kill switch engage. And like, it's just like a, like a major, major festival. And then Fozzy were like drawing the curtain at 9am. So I was there, I was there early doors. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I didn't know any of the songs, but like it was obviously all wrestling fans. I was wrestling shirts everywhere. People chanting Y2J in the middle of songs. You could almost see like he was getting annoyed. He's I like, bet that's what right. a junior gig is like as well. Yeah, it must exactly be. the same. Yeah. Have you been to a junior gig, Mark? No, no, I've never. I'm saying I bet what that's what a junior <laughs> gig is like. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, I mean, even if it was the after party, I wouldn't go to a junior gig. I reckon oh. Ross, Ross, you at that time, didn't you? I've never been to a junior gig, but I but I certainly wouldn't pass on it. <laughs> Some, I thought someone I thought someone from our group went to that pro, like after show. I think it was maybe gig. Wild Ash and Simon. Oh, that yeah. would make perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean that as a dig. I just meant as in because Wild Ash likes a bit of that for me. So yeah, uh, that's staying in. I'm going to make it my business to get that on the pod. Welcome to wrestling should be music. Yeah, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if anyone has any suggestions for theme songs for the brand new incarnation of the podcast, let me know at some point. I've heard Razor um, Ramon's theme is very good. I, I don't see, I don't think Razor Ramon's theme is as good as Eddie Guerrero's WCW theme. I, they're similar in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of people now out of our seven listeners who are trying to remember what it sounds like. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of them. But it's the one that goes, it's like bump 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 it's good. It's real good. Play that at my funeral, please, Bleach. She's um, a local undertaker. She, she's my The local undertaker. You mean the, the overgiver? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Property of Revolution Pro Wrestling. <laughs> um, guys, we, we're here to uh, talk about our predictions for yeah. the year 2021. Um, some of them are bleak, some of them are quite exciting um and everyone kind of had a different agenda i think so we've got five each and i thought it wasn't a bad way for us to get started on a bit of a podcast just to go around and talk about our predictions for the years 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our main event of the evening. Introducing first, he hails from the north of England, but he now calls E17 home. Mrs. Brummett's baby boy, this is Brown. Um, all right. So, okay. So, Brum's going to go first. Brum, do you do you like you remember your five, right? You've yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think so. I think as a caveat, I made these in I made these in December, and things have changed slightly since then. But I'm still gonna still gonna go with them. Um, and do you, do you have any like ideological like uh, like uh, any reasons before you give us the five? Like, were you thinking a certain way before you came up with your five predictions? Or yeah, so, so I think I think well, especially um, spoiler alert, reading the article that kind of kicked kicked this off. I think everyone went a lot more literal predictions than me. I went, I went a little bit more airy fairy. I think I was probably musing on the future of the industry in a more of a kind of a, more of a futurism way, I guess, and just seeing how, how it was all going to fall. Because especially right now, I think more than ever, there just seems to be like quite a wide wrestling landscape. It's like I remember when I was a kid, and it was just like, you know, unless you were like a tape trader, you watched it was three companies really: it was WF, um, WCW, or ECW. But now yeah. there's loads. Yeah, and the, the on-demand services have completely changed things yeah, as well. Yeah, like. a, a million percent. Yeah, so, so I think it's just, yeah, so I think I think that, so I've, I've kind of looked at looked at a few promotions or I looked at a few trends that are going on and just seeing how they'll go. I think, I, I, I think this is going to be the year where I think new people sour on New Japan. I think, I think, I think it's a big one. I, I think, and to be honest, a lot in the, in the kind of Japanese, I think, wrestling community have thought this way for a bit that um maybe even since 2018 which is quite weird for us i guess it's kind of more casual new japan fans but um that it's it's just got really repetitive i think especially their main event scene it's just the same thing over and over again the same match that tanner was doing six seven years ago people were replicating again and again and again and and it's not to say that like new japan shit like wrestle kingdom was fantastic uh, jay white's performance was absolute god tier um shingo's probably been the best in ring wrestler of the year well not probably not probably the best in, in ring wrestler um of the year so and there's and there's a lot there's still a lot of things going on but for me it's just i think it's, it's starting to lose its flavor i think it's just getting a little bit dry now and it's like before i would watch a new japan show and i would watch every single match well apart from maybe some of the opening eight man tags but now I find myself skipping through a lot and that's happening more and more to the point where I can't be the only one. And I, yeah, I, I think it's going downhill. I don't know what you guys think. And that's uh, not just because of the, the, the pandemic, by the way. I think, I think there, there was, you know, massive, massive, um, massive issues before that. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think that's completely logical. Like I, I've thought, I, my my gripe with New Japan has always been that I've found it a bit repetitive um, mm. in the main event scene, and but that I always thought that was just me because I'm not I, I was never really that grabbed with Okada or Tanahashi, like just they, they're both incredible athletes, great wrestlers, but just for whatever reason, maybe because I can't 
necessarily understand their promos in their native tongue. So maybe that's it. Maybe I can't quite grasp it, but um, I will bring to that's the that's table. That's the same reason I struggle with Will Ospreay, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, <laughs> is, that is, that I can completely understand that. Um, the, the one thing that I will, that I'll bring to the table with that one is I was not um, a big fan of Jay White and I should have made your Will Ospreay joke about the Kiwi, but now I've missed the chance. Um, <laughs> but obviously, like I agree with what you said, that that was one of the all-time great individual performances in a main event that at Wrestle Kingdom. Unbelievable. So now I'm actually, I'm quite interested to see what they do with him now um, that they did the sort of uh, quitting angle, I guess you call it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, anyone else got the New Japan hot takes? You were in a Bullet Club shirt, Ross. <laughs> Bullet Club shirt, because I'm, you know, I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking about this actually um, when I knew that we were going to be, do- be doing this podcast and thinking about Brun's take. And I, for the last like six years, have had a New Japan subscription. Then, because wrestling should be fun and frugal, I got rid of mine because we're sharing our wrestling. Oh, kayfabe, And I have found myself not watching it as much. And I do wonder why, because to me, the, the wrestling is just as good. And I'm yeah. starting to think, is it because Obviously, they lost a hell of a lot of wrestlers to AEW. And whilst that was easy to, to, to hide for a few months, the kind of repetitiveness that, that Grummet's talking about, maybe that's the problem there, in that like the first cycle after they all left a year and a half ago or whatever was kind of easy to hide. And the fact that they've not hidden it well with the likes of the fact that like such a lot of people left then you've got guys like Ishii, who still can't seem to get out of that mid-card flux that he's in. To me, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's a problem, okay. I think. I, I, I think as well, it's, it's just this thing that, like, he's so good in the G1 that I think him winning the G1 one year, even if he didn't win the title, I don't need, I, you know, I don't need to see him win the title at Wrestle Kingdom, but, like, him just winning the G1, would, especially now there's, like, do they do two nights at Wrestle Kingdom? I think would just be such an incredible moment. And I think it's one thing that we could do. There's, there's a bunch of things that we could do. I think I think the, the one of the good things about the pandemic um, was the um, was the blending of the juniors. I know kind of everyone says it. And I'm not saying it should be like completely like like Western wrestling where they're just completely blended. I, I do quite like how they're separated, but I think there should be a little bit more merging because I think just, I mean, Takahashi, Hiromu, not 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 for your hero, but um, but Hiromu is just just incredible talent. I like all the I like all the Hashi brothers. There's, ta- there's Tanahashi, Takahashi. No one likes Yoshi. No What I will say though is that um, that uh, match between Tanahashi and Shingo was amazing and got me very excited about the future, yeah. both because it gives Tanahashi the opportunity to wrestle people that he hasn't for a long time. Yeah, and you'll have fantastic matches with them. And also, is this the start of Shingo leaving that um, that kind of scene and moving on up? I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Lij have got two blokes ahead of him, though. True, uh, say. true, right. say. 
anyway, I, this, <laughs> mate, it's gonna t- it's gonna take twelve hours. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go next to promotions that you guys don't know anything about then so I think, I think following on from that my other take was I think this could be could be the year where some of the other Japanese promotions actually start breaking out more into the I say the mainstream that's unfair but I guess into maybe more western audiences um, I, I'm, I'm going to actually talk um, probably specifically about the more male promotions but obviously Stardom I think is has has a pretty decent fan base already, but um, yeah, like obviously I'm a big old Japan fanboy of their 80s, 90s stuff, but they're they're slowly starting to to resurge. Um, but I think big Japan as well doing some good stuff. But I think mainly DDT had a phenomenal year, but probably been the best best from them or AEW. I think probably the, the two standout promotions of of 2020. Um, and Noah, well, mainly Goshiyazaki. Um, had, had, had a really, really good year. I think probably if I was only going to do top ten matches of the year, I think probably four would be would be maybe go, uh, go matches. Um, and I think that hopefully, if people are starting to sour on uh, New Japan, they'll realise that there's a lot of other great stuff out there. And, and DDT, for example, which obviously we see as this comedy promotion, and obviously it has a lot of that, but it also has some fantastic wrestling. Um, yeah, Tanaka Endo was absolute banger last year they've got such an incredible tag team as well like Nautilus and Eruption and all these guys and yeah I, I just think there's, there's a lot out there and I really hope this is going to be the um, this is going to be the time um, I have no doubt that all these promotions are great and whenever I've dipped in and watched the odd Kento match it, in All Japan for example never been disappointed um, I've tried to watch is what's the one with um, Daisuke in where he just chops Big fellas, that's Big great, yeah. great. But they don't he have all over the place. Actually, Daisuke, uh, I think he was, um, yeah, wrestled DDT a bit this year. But they don't have the the obvious answer. They don't have the Western stars to keep me hooked watching regularly the way that New Japan sometimes does. What about your? What about Chris Brooks in DDT? Exactly. So, <laughs> so like, um, like, and I don't want to talk bad about Chris Brooks, but like, even if he was someone that I really liked, like. I don't think that's enough to make me watch. I think that's like, I don't think it was consciously the decision why I started trying to watch New Japan, but definitely like a reason would have been the fact that they have like Western wrestlers that I knew eventually would probably break out and come over here and I could be smug and say I knew them first. <laughs> and and like, I just don't know, like there's not them hooks in the other Japanese promotions. I'm sure there are like one or two guys in the undercards that are like doing that and going over. Um, like Chris Brooks, like you say, but. Yeah, that's that's my that's what puts me off saying they'll break out because unless they can link up with promotions and get those sort of people in, I don't ever see them becoming bigger than what they are now. Whereas like a real hardcore will know them, but beyond having the odd five star match people check out, I don't see them taking off the same way. I, yeah, I think that's fair. And I yeah, like I wonder if so. Like it, you know, we, we there's no doubt about it. We are in the top one percent of wrestling fans as far as like. Being, ha, 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 yeah, sorry, and um, but and I a lot of that stuff that you guys have spoke about, I don't know anything about, and I like I think and I think that sometimes we as hardcore wrestling fans we underrate just how niche some of this stuff is. Like even I think even New Japan, I think in a lot of is still quite you know quite niche. If, if I went up to the I'm a school teacher, if I went up to the kids who I know like wrestling in school and said, oh hey, how about that New Japan? <laughs> and be like, uh, what is Goldberg in that? 
Like they, you know, and and they're wrestling fans, so yeah, it's one of those things. I was going to say, I think I think when we talk about breaking out, I didn't necessarily mean that like Nathajim is going to be on Good Morning Britain or anything like that. Oh no, no, but, no. <laughs> but do you do you sort of mean like there'll be a point where like a big DDT or an All Japan or another promotion show would be revered to the level that a large majority of us, the 1%, go and check it out. Is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Because I think it's not going to be that people following stars there or anything. Um, but it's just going to be more the fact that people like, like me, for example, I know that they're, they're promotions that I didn't really used to follow. But I think the way that you get into it, and, and you know, someone will refer a match, and then you'll watch it, and you're like, oh, I really like that. I'm going to check out that guy next time. And then someone will maybe say in passing, oh, this match is good. They say, oh, yeah, that's got Miyaharin or Nakajima or Sakimoto or whatever. I'm going to go out and check that. Or like Nautilus and the tag team or something like that. And then we'll slowly watch more and more. And that's how I find myself doing it. Like, I don't watch, but like, when I'm talking about that, I watch it. I maybe, of each promotion, I've maybe, I maybe probably seen 20 Japanese non New Japan matches this year. So not loads, but significantly more than I did before. And, and I, I think in the kind of the more, um, as Don said, the, the 1% of wrestling geekdom. <laughs> Um, a, a, a guy to if he's not going to live that down is um, is going that sh- that should be the name of the uh, the podcast on the one percent. We are on EC three now. <laughs> but but but, um, but yeah. The, but basically, I think in in those kind of circles, I think it's going to start to become more popular. And, and if you like, what's the um, what's the, the pop sociology Malcolm Gladwell book? Um, the tipping point. That's how these things happen. They do start off with the more geekier people latching onto them. And then suddenly people who are kind of more influencers will get on and push it out and then it'll tip and then eventually we will get Nakajima on Good Morning Britain. Let's let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, you, you're on a roll, Brum. What, what else you got for us? Oh, we, so we're we going to start maybe talking about wrestling that you guys have heard about? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I think NXT is an interesting one to talk about. Not maybe much as a, as a prediction, but a, like it's just such an interesting year for them. They, they have obviously been up until 2019, definitely 2018. Um, like incredible work rate, work, work rate promotion. Um, you know, every takeover massively heralded. And well, 2020 was more of a conversion year for them to become more. You know, I'm going to use the word sports entertaining. Some may, may disagree with that, but. But at least a lot more character and storyline driven rather than just Gargano and Champa wrestling for 580 minutes or whatever. Like they're moving into in, into definitely a lot a lot more of that territory. And it's an interesting experiment. But with 2020 being a conversion year, 2021 is a right, let's judge you as this new product where you're halfway between what you were before and dynamite, for example. And yeah, and and, and in terms of a prediction on that, I my worry is I don't know if they've got 12 months of that in them. I think it's 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 either going to go one way, it's either going to go too much the other way, and they just become, they, you know, they like to top themselves a third brand, or if they become a third brand, as in they just become smack down white or something like that. No, so no disrespect to people that like that, but it's not, not really my thing. Um, while, well, yeah, or they could go the other way, where they go, oh, actually, no, this is failing. Take the title off Carrying Cross, who assumingly is going to be the, the linchpin of the whole NXT is no longer just a work rate company thing and put it on Kyle O'Reilly, who is a, obviously an absolute work rate fanboy. So I think I think it's just going to be 
I know it's a bit of a shit as a prediction, but I think it's just going to be quite fascinating for next year, I think, is, is probably my overall take. 100%. I, it's interesting, you know, like, I think that within the industry, like, lots of wrestlers look at NXT as better work than a lot of AEW. Like, you never get... The people from within the industry very rarely have that swipe at NXT about being all flips or about being the indie style that kind of has that shade. I I just think it's an interesting thing that people within the industry see it as, like, even when it was a work rate, people, for some reason, never gave it that kind of side mouth backhand of, like, oh, I know. It's, oh, yeah, it's athletic, but it's like the circus. you never got that with NXT, which is strange. Um, because I mean, I, I love them both. I don't know how that weighs into your idea about the evolution, more wrestling puns, sorry, of of the show. But it's it is interesting whether those voices do. You know, maybe Triple H is one of those voices. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, think that because it, it it doesn't seem to be like a chance that a couple of people that just brought them like that it seems so much more of a, a concerted effort even if you put like carrying cross aside like people like dexter lumis are closely case in point the current thing that they're doing with uh Bo and xylee and, and all that stuff it's just it's things that you just won't really see see a lot of i think and it, it's not like nxt have, have not have not had stuff like this they've always had a few like funky gimmicks on there and stuff like that um but i think now it just seems to be a lot more a lot more concerted and, and a lot more focused on kind of more more frilly storytelling, I'd say, than maybe some yeah. of the more kind of rooted and um, carnal storytelling of the forager. Yeah. What's quite interesting is that like previously when um, NXT was an hour long and it was just on and it was just on, just on the network, like you would have those characters, you would have a Wyatt family and you would have Adam Rose, but it was almost like they knew that those characters were more based around Raw and SmackDown. And as soon as they saw that they were successful at that level, they kind of immediately got brought up. Whereas now, the, whereas now the pathway doesn't seem quite as clear because it is a two-hour show. They've got to fill that show a bit more. You've got characters like Loomis who are going to be around there for a while. And that's kind of the reason, I guess, why Brum's saying what you're saying, where it is becoming a bit more sports and entertainment, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and what you've got to remember with guys like, like Dexter Loomis is what, what do you reckon 37, 38 um, like, and so it's not like he's like oh right yeah we're going to bring him in because he's going to be Smackdown's top star in 10 years you know th- these these guys feel like they are NXT guys um, same term please you know what I mean so it's um, yeah it, I, I just think it's really interesting that they've chosen you know, this, this, this new way and I'm not going to I'm, you know, it's way too early to criticise it. I know that most voices are, are very, very excited about it because I think a lot of people thought, um, thought NXT, NXT a bit stale. So they've done this to give it a shot in the arm and it's just going to be interesting to see how it goes. And I, like I said, I think in short term, it is a good thing, but my worry is, is that is, is how do they maintain it? Um, how do they keep it, still keep NXT what it is, which is a more 1% wrestling fan focused show um, <laughs> than, 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 than Raw and SmackDown is certainly. So. Excellent. Well, you, so so we've we've had New Japan, uh, Fringe, Japanese promotions, NXT. You got, got any other? Um, yeah, well, I think I think I was I had a really cold take about AEW, I think was my was my next one. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, well, so I, th I think, again, talking about, you know, this is NXT's year of proving, I think I think this year is going to be interesting, really interesting for Dynamite, where they go, and I'm, there is a chance it could go to shit, because, the, because essentially they're already at the stage where they're like, oh, we need to go collaboration routes, which do what they're doing, you know, impact and potentially New Japan already, and as a, as a wrestling fan, great can't wait for it all the special stuff with, with new japan at the moment is incredibly exciting but like in your kind of it'll only be dynamite's second full year next year to already be kind of going into that like that, that's kind of a, a in terms of if you look at products life cycle and like wrestling shows going for its own thing it should be really just after its peak because it starts kind of going out and touching all these things in your second full year to kind of be blowing your load on these things makes me think what, what next where are they going to go are, are they just gonna and and i know they probably hate the comparison and I, but there is a chance that they they end up being wcw 2001 by you know in a couple of years time but just with a lot of more flippy multi-man tag matches um because i just think it's a concern creatively that they've, they've done that so close and i know that sounds me being overly negative is something that's really exciting and the opposite <laughs> of what wrestling should be, should be about. But I, I, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's a fascinating year. And, and it, could, it I think it's, I think it could be really hot, but it could also be a bit, it could be a bit sharp jumpy. And I think the other, the other tangent to that, which was also the death knell of WCW fundamentally, or one of them, was there's already quite a big focus on ratings. And I think they just need to ignore that shit. You know, people are happy with the numbers. They just need to, Build things and get things right because they're do dynamite doing a lot right. It's a really good TV show, but there are warning signs there already. Am I am I am I being just super negative? There, I I hope I, I like I hope you're not right. Um, mm. But I'll tell you what, you you steam a good ham. It's hard it's hard to argue with your with your points there. It's all <laughs> very articulately presented as it always is with you, Brum. Um, I it's. I can see what you're saying. What I hope is that the evidence so far with AEW is that they are thinking more long-term about storylines than what maybe we realise a lot of the time, or maybe that's just me with the having rose-tinted glasses. I'm not sure. But it seems to me like there's, there's some stuff on the back burner and just bubbling away that I would hope is like you know is able to carry the company even if the cross promotional stuff either doesn't hit or fizzles out quicker than what they might imagine but uh, who knows um yeah there's but there is still stuff to look forward to through you know hanging the page and park and yeah like i i think that i just feel like there's there's still you know they choose a sports analogy they say like to win a premiership or to win a title you need like the the perfect blend of experience, youth, and then players in the middle of their career, and I, I hope that AEW does have that mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. No, and, and you're completely right. Like about about like the you know the long term story film. but you know at the same time people say the same thing about the NWO. So we'll see. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that Adam Page is VK Wall Street or anything, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> you think? Um... By the end of this year, Brum, uh, AEW is going to have Tony Khan as like a 
on-screen TV guy? I mean, he's not he's not shrinking Violet, is he? As as much as he tries to make out of that, like if you look at any sports event he's he's been involved in, he's got his face splashed all over it. He's already had a few moments in AEW, and obviously with the stuff he's doing in Impact, the vignette there, that seems to be like people talk about. Oh yeah, that's the way he can flex those things. But there's no way if you're a an egotistical billionaire and you enjoyed having fun doing things, you're not going to be like, oh, well, I'll stop it now. Like, yeah. he, I, I, he's obviously got more restraint than a, you know, a Vince McMahon or a Billy Corgan or a Dixie Carter, but I, I still think that it's going to be more. I, I don't think it's, he's going to be like coming out and saying, oh, you're going to go one-on-one with Sean Spears or whatever to, <laughs> to, to random, random people, but, but I think they'll be he'll be involved a lot more. He'll maybe be more like a, a Jack Tony figure. I think it's good. I, I quite like the cross-promotion in terms of like thinking back to the Attitude Era with ECW and WWE. I quite like the idea of like yeah. the RVD kind of character where he was like a face in WWE and then a heel in, in, in ECW. I kind of like the idea of that, of Khan doing that with Impact. Yeah. But, I, but I don't know how it pans out for the rest of the year, necessarily. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I think I've been doing so, there's so much excitement to, 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 to you know, connect to it. And Kenny Omega's doing the, doing the character work of his life. I've always thought he's, a, he's an absolute in-ring god, but I've found him quite annoying in his character work, but they just found him in a, an absolute great place at that moment. Just such a, such a fantastic thing. Well, I mean, when him and Paige happen, the only thing against it is, <laughs> is, is the anticipation. Because fucking like Page being amazing for the title when they do it is 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 going to be huge, and they just they just got to make sure that Bret Hart doesn't be special guest ref and get the pinfall wrong or something because that's, <laughs> that, that's it that that that's their that's their sting haven really and and, and I, I really should make all these things do you um do you think that the I I agree on the Omega stuff by the way do you think that plays to casual I say casual, presuming AEW have casual fans with some of the figures they get. Do you think they, they care about the fake Bullet Club stuff? No. <laughs> Hot take. Um, no, they don't give a shit. But, 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 ca- but casual fans are, are so interesting to talk about with these things. If you go back to my, what I was talking about before about the. Um, about how I'm worried that they'll find they, they could go a bit a bit sharp just because Casual was watching WCW two thousand one or two thousand. Probably thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was all mental. Like and it was only it's it's all, it's only that kind of thing where you where you like where the erosion is you don't witness. It's only after a while they'll go, all right, I'm a bit bored now. But they won't be able to articulate it. People just go, oh, yeah, I, I'm just not that invested. And, and, you know, an third-party analyst will look at it and say, well, this, this is why it happened. It's because, you know, there's nothing really there to invest in. But people don't realise that. They're like, this is fun, this is fun, this is fun, and this is not fun. And, you know, and I think that's my, that's, that's my, that's my concern. Also the story of every relationship with a woman I've ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> bro- <laughs> uh, I, I, need, I need a third party to see the erosion. Um, <laughs> By the way, mate, the road has got to be a TNA stable. <laughs> That's definitely a pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, 
Brum, you, you you better finish us off, mate. I think you you got one more now. I know in the article you called this your sad one. Yeah, so I mean, so far I reckon my my happiest one is going to be bleaker than like like yeah. everyone else. But if you just put Ross next, where he just says next year he's the best going to be the best year ever. Doing his yeah. Alex Baldwin in Friends impression about wrestling. <laughs> um, you've got to go watch Jenna Maraska Charmel. It is the best match I've ever seen. Uh, the um, the yeah, basically I think Brit fuck me. It's really sad. Um, really, I'm fucking awful. And like, I mean, where do you start? It obviously like speak now. And it, 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 even the, let, let, let's just put as even though you can't, or let's put that to the inside. Even before that, you know, the challenges facing Brit rest. And this isn't meant to be a silly Brit rest with their speech or anything like that because there's so many incredible talents on the scene. Um, and but. NXT UK was obviously, you know, people can fucking talk around it as much as they want. It's fucking terrible for British wrestling. You know, I, 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 there are there are counter arguments, but they're mild. You know what I mean? It's shifting around deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, so there's that. <laughs> you know, that's a factor. Obviously, obviously, there's the um, the speaking outside of things as well. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not really going to talk about here, but like, it, you know, it's fucking there. It's the massive fucking gigantic elephant in the room. And obviously the pandemic has just, it's just been an absolute fucking killer for these promotions. Yeah. Even Ross's level of optimism, I think, you know, can't look at next year and go, it's going to be great. You know, like, I, I just don't, I just don't consider what goes. And I like, there'll be, there'll be great stuff because there's great wrestlers and people will put on wrestling shows and we should fucking do one just to, just to give wrestlers a payday because like <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's completely unfair that the good wrestlers if anything like, you know, like good guys good girls you know have been end up getting fucked over by other things happening in the industry which they had either in, had nothing to do with or in fucking a lot of cases were victims of it so I really hope that you know when 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 we can do things, there is still a big support for the industry, and we do and we do see things going well. Because another factor in it as well, British wrestling fans are generally speaking pretty left wing, and the kind of people that are going to be freaked out by you know events that are going to like have a lot of people there or anything like that. So it's not like it it, it, it may be different in, in the US, but but definitely in the UK, I think there's going to be even if even if places do put shows together. People be quite uncomfortable about going to those kind of events, and after that, it's just, yeah. Sorry to bring it up on what's supposed to be a nice podcast, but I don't think we can look at predictions for next year as British wrestling fans and not talk about what, how bad is it going to be in Britain. Um, but yeah, but I think, but, but we'll see. I, I don't know what progress. Is, like obviously, there's two sides of it: the progress and Red Pro being the two big likes in this. Stuff. I think Red Pro will be fine because Red Pro is not. Sorry for any Red Pro fans or anything like listening, but they're not they're not a really proper wrestling promotion, are they? They're, a, they're 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 just like the old British wrestling promotion where they're just all super shows and they may try and have some vague storylines in, but that's mainly so that Quilden man can just get on TV really, I think, and make himself feel good about himself. So I don't think there's nothing there. Well progress is obviously the one where I think we have a lot more of an attachment to it. And I just, yeah, I really hope that we can work out how to do things because 
I'm worried. Sorry, Let's... I probably should finish my five things with I'm worried. Luckily, but... um, it, it, it's <laughs> It's it's lucky that it's lucky that none of the other three of us are big fans of Brit Rest, so none of us really are invested in <laughs> in the outcome. Yeah, much bigger, big Japan fan. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I love that deathmatch shit. Um, <laughs> is uh, yeah, it, it is a woe for all of us. Um, I have chosen to try to stay on the optimistic side, um, and not quite Ross scale, but um, I. I do, again, I think that there are a lot of people who are fans of going for an, a Sunday afternoon out and a Sunday afternoon yeah. drink um, in a music venue and they don't really care what the wrestling is in front of them um, as long as the bar's open and hopefully none of them are instigated in, you know, um, nonsense. Um, so I, I think that progress will be okay um i think i think revpro will still be okay i think over in ireland it ott will still be okay um and do you think even without star and devlin i i think that they i think that ott have built a culture of people enjoying having a drink at a wrestling show as well yeah um and and like and they they run saturday nights and stuff like that and they run and then people you know come from the pub and stuff I th- from what I can tell, being there once, maybe that was just because I was drunk. But um, I'm seeing, I, 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 yeah, sorry, Ross. I'm seeing a few tweets about OTT. I, um, I've seen even like big, um, kind of inside the bubble, big kind of characters, fan wise, um, saying that, that OTT are kind of like done, in that um, apparently the way that they've dealt with it has been very, very bad. Um, I think I read that Davis is still doing the training there, um, which is something that obviously a lot of fans are not happy about. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think the bubble over there has burst a little bit, which is a shame because OTT was obviously on such a climb to the top, wasn't it? And uh, from what I can tell, I'm, I may be wrong, but um, from what I can tell, I think that the backlash for OTT's response has been a lot worse than progress. Yeah, I, I I was ignorant of that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I think with OTT, you know, it's not like it's it's hung because you know you, you can't really avoid the fact that they have the hottest thing in independent wrestling, which was the David Star title win, right? Like it was just fucking amazing. Like obviously, you know, that is not me saying bring him back. I just want to be fucking clear about that. That is not. But, but obviously, from the point of view of OTT, when the hottest thing that they've got is fucking is just torn out of them, you can't just go, oh, like, well, let, let's start again. Because then everything, it, you know, everything is connected to it. It's just, and like I said, sort of go deadly. Like, everything connected to them is, 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 is tainted. And I, and I agree with Dom more so, in my opinion, than, than, than progress is. I, I don't quite write the same sort of eulogy to British wrestling that Brum has written, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm positive on it. I, I'm in the unknown, really. Um, if, from what I could hear, like, yeah, like, I, I can see the issues and problems that might be there, but I'm just always hopeful that the next crop come through and just kill it. I know it's such a, like, always look on the bright side of life answer, but I think there's enough out there, like, taking away all the horrible speaking out stars and everything. I, I still think with the enthusiasm that will be there from fans to just go and watch this stuff, 
I'm, I'm hopeful that the new stars won't take long to become stars just because of that. But maybe I'm saying that because like two or three of my favourite guys and girls are like hopefully going to be booked really strongly out of like guys getting signed, girls getting signed and, and what's happened. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm overall, it just more depends on whether shows can run, but I'm positive. But, but, is, but is, is there a fundamental problem there? And again, I, I, I want to say, I know that I'm being a massive team fair on it. I'll literally think that when I get vaccinated, I'll be happy to go to a, a Sunday afternoon program show. Again, I have no issue there. But like, but it is like to get if put that stuff aside. Like, is there going to be the issue though? If, if anyone gets, as soon as like anyone does well and gets over there, our progress going to turn into a de facto NXT UK feed or something. And like, so as soon as you guys get still, you can go and be fighting Joseph Connors or some other trash on NXT UK. Maybe, but my favourite progress thing from uh, 2019, because that's probably the last time to really rate them, was a WWE guy in Dragonov putting over an independent guy in Kara. So, like, I still don't know if it's necessarily as big an issue. In some instances, it might be, like, if they bring in, I don't know, Eddie Dennis to come and squash the local lad. But I, I, I still think that, that that actually adds a wrinkle into storylines they can run, because... We all go in expecting the WWE guy that's been signed to be pushed. I presume this is the point again, Avram. I'm sorry if I'm being a different point. You know, it, it, was, it was actually more, more my point. Sorry, sorry, I should have It's not... Um, I think you're right. I think Progress Agenda is pretty good about that kind of stuff. I'm sure some people disagree. I, I think it's just more about them losing talent. Because you can't... Yeah, you can feature them in storylines, but it's hard to have them as, like... Front and center, your guy. It's like Karen with the champ, right? you know what I mean? Like, obviously, he's really, he's fucking great, Karen. He's massively over it, but like, you know, the, the, the benefit of having him is he's not yet, he's not debuted as um, Black Swan on NXT UK or anything. So, um, play yeah. devil's advocate though, Matt. Like, a lot of people yearn for those times when NXT was just a two year cycle, and kind of if NXT UK becomes the kind of end goal for these wrestlers that become stars through progress. I actually think the fans wouldn't mind it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's an interesting take. I guess, I guess it's just weird when you know that, though, that's... Yeah. yeah. I think... The goal. I, I, just, just to jump in with my two cents there, I, I, I think you, you're both right. As long as, like, as long as they don't use the progress shows to get over solely NXT UK guys... Yeah. I think it's okay to go the other way around. I think for progress guys to get a go on the NXT UK, I think fans will love that. But uh, I don't think, like, so I, I don't know. I don't know too many NXT UK guys that aren't progress originals, but if they were to start coming in and taking spots from a TK Cooper, well, then I think people would be pretty upset. That's the hook, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Brum, fantastic, mate. Five incredible predictions. Um, just while so down, um, <laughs> what, what wrestling should be fun stand from speaking out you've got three hours go <laughs> <laughs> um, so we so I guess yeah let's let's do Ross next ladies and gentlemen predicting next he hails from Bristol City, but is podcasting out of central London. This is the creator of Wrestling Should Be Fun and the man behind the Twitter, Ross the Boss Kay. 
Casey. So you're in charge around here, is that fair to say? Absolutely. I'm the boss. Okay, so take us through a day in the life of the boss. Well, the first thing I do is... Talk to corporate! Approve memos! Lead a workshop! Remember birthdays! Direct workflow! My own bathroom! Micromanage! Promote synergy! Hit on Deborah! Get rejected! Yeah, right. I'm getting the boss on the first episode, so yeah. Wait, okay, so my number one one was as this is a nice little tie, I guess, as we were talking about NXT UK. Uh, Vince Mullman becoming the NXT UK general manager. Never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, through 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 COVID protocols and whatnot, um, having um, Johnny Saint on TV would, doesn't make sense. And also the fact that, let's face it, he's a bit of a charisma vacuum, sadly, even though as much as, as a legend that he is. Um, Sid Scala has largely been the TV general manager for NXT UK for a long time now, even pre- even previous to COVID. Um, I think it was very apparent that, um, sadly, Johnny Saint wasn't um, screaming off the screen. So they moved to uh, Sid Scala, who... Also has his speaking out problems, as the uh, tweet um, <laughs> showed us earlier earlier this week on on NXT UK. Um, so I think that something needs to be done about it. Um, I'm not saying that Sid Scala has done a terrible job. Like I think his on screen character is good, but when something as serious as that is held against you, should you be on TV during it? I'm not entirely sure. Innocent until proven guilty, of course. But having him on, on the screen is certainly creating a bit of a bad smell around the brand that doesn't necessarily need to be happening. They can still have him on the payroll whilst this is going on and not have him on TV, in my opinion. Um, and Jim Smallman, to me, is the perfect guy to take the role. Uh, he certainly knows the roster well. Um, he certainly um, commands himself on screen a lot better than Johnny Saint and Siskel, in my opinion. Um, and I think that he'll be a great addition to the show um and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a suit and tie doesn't necessarily have to be on screen all the time um maybe he could even be part of like similar to i i've been binging the old superstars from like 92 and 93 maybe he could do it in a, in a kind of fun version of the sean mooney kind of five minutes kind of wrap up of kind of storylines that are going on um something around those lines um i just think that Anything is better than than, than the Sid Scala situation for the moment on NFT UK. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd completely agree with that, actually, Ross. Um, and I, I say that as someone that's not uh, maybe drinking the Kool-Aid of Smallman as much as everyone else. But I um, I think he, I think this is a point you, you made, Ross, but like he's so recognisable to British wrestling fans. And, and that is essentially who the product should be aimed at, even if they're trying to attract an American audience. So they'll recognise him from that and it, it becomes obvious that he was the MC from a well-known British promotion. So yeah, I, I I can see the logic completely behind it. Yeah. I don't really have much to add to what you said, Russ, to be honest, mate. <laughs> it's very logical. You said about um, Sid Scala still standing on the payroll. I, I believe that, I believe that his main job with the company is sort of running the school anyway, um, or maybe not running it, but being involved with training at the school um, more so than a TV personality anyway. Um I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't see any reason not to do it outside of whether Jim, maybe Jim doesn't want to do it. 
uh, like may, maybe he feels like that part of his career is done. Like maybe he wants to be the behind the scenes guy, but uh, he, everything you said is right. I mean, he's a more charismatic host, no matter what your thoughts are on Smallman. I mean, I know a lot of people felt like he maybe did too much of a comedy set at the beginning of his progress stuff, but it, you can't argue that he's, you know, more charismatic than Sid Scala um, in, in every way, probably. Um not as fundamentally sound in the ring, but that's not what we're talking about at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's it's hard to argue with you on that one. Whether it happens, I would say, I mean, well, Smallman could book it for himself. <laughs> that's like, to be honest, Dom, I think you hit the nail on the head with what you just said because, like, Smallman's biggest detractors would be, well, he just loves himself and he talks too much, and there's no way a WWE production would let him do that. So, yeah people like me would then be not be able to use that criticism against him so yeah even i'm for it yeah it's an hour show so if he did his previous progress in introduction <laughs> there won't be much time for the actual wrestling <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they've got a ready-made ring announcer there they don't need a ring announcer you'll say yeah you'll say a gm style operator which i think yeah. there's yeah I, I can't see any reason not to um ross what what else you got number two Okay, so number two um, was going to AEW. I, I, I tried to um, spread this out across a few um, promotions. Not as many as Brum, but <laughs> I did my best. Um, so I predict that AEW are the ones that signed Tessa Blanchard. Um, I'm making the argument that the AEW have been having to uh, work with NWA largely to try and get their women's um, division a lot better than it than it has previously been. And I think it's worked by and large, but I still think it's a lot more thin compared to when, like, obviously NXT is hard to go up against anyone other than, than, than probably stardom in terms of the, the women's um, roster. Um, but it's kind of light and day when you're kind of always talking about the war between the Wednesday night shows, NXT in terms of the women kind of blow blow them out the water really um so for me i think that they need some some more um talents and tessa blanchard is easily one of the, one of the best um female talents out there um she's available she's a free agent um yes so I, i'm kind of going against my previous argument with the bad smell around sid scar there's certainly um things aimed towards tessa blanchard um but i feel like you know about WWE have proved that you can have these characters on TV and the bad smell goes away kind of slowly but surely. The likes of Riddle um, it, in particular, who's getting a pretty big push now. And I think that it's probably worth the risk with with them signing Tessa, especially as her dad's there. Um, and you can have some, some really good matches with the likes of Britt Baker, for example. That would be a, a fantastic match. Um, but I think that the roster needs her and it's worth the risk. I I could not agree more. Um, I think, and uh, playing a very dangerous game here with what I'm about to say, but I don't think that um, Sid Scala or Riddle and their accusations are necessarily comparable to what Tessa um, has had the rap on her for. You know, they're, they're very different. It's you, you can't really compare those. And I think in... Um, I, I don't think that the public outcry against Tessa would be anywhere near what it has been uh, for Riddle, for example. 
So I just, I, I think it's a great, a great option. And I mean, I, for a couple of more reasons, I mean, I think if Tessa wants to work in the United States again, which she's going to have to earn a living at some point, if she, if she does want to work, well, the WWE will have no qualms in signing her. Like that, that's where she's going to end up the minute that she wants to work. So AEW should, from a business perspective, like really try to move heaven and earth um, to try to get there first. The you know they've they've got the inside running with a dad being there, but um, I'm not too sure. I I I can't. I, I think I I think, and I know that Matt, you're you've been a big fan of Tessa as well. I I mean I think there's an argument that she's the best worker, uh, you know, in in any women's division anywhere. And I'm not trying to make this a gender thing. She could be the best worker in the world of any gender. She's an incredible talent. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't see any reason why that that's not feasible, really. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, Matt, you're, you're often more educated than me on the issues, though, and the, and oh, the allegations. No. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest in terms of um, this is what I, I think we had a conversation away before. I'm not sure who AEW have and haven't signed in terms of their connections with the NWA women's division. Cause I know that I was saying Alison Kay was a massive detractor of, of Tessa Blanchard when her accusations came up. And I'm not sure if Alison Kay is NWA, AEW, cause I don't know where all these women's contracts are with, they've made some very blurred lines with Thunder Rosa and Serena Deep. So I don't know, but I'm not sure how the, the locker room would take to Tessa um, because of the accusations. I'm not sure what accusations were proven right or wrong, but either way, you know, you take the accusations on face value. If we're just taking away all the baggage, she would already be like a massive star wherever she was. Like, yeah. there's, I don't think anyone's even going to bother arguing that she is in ring as good as may as good as any female Western wrestler, definitely in the world. And she has uh, an amazingly, amazingly, an amazing strong character that she was building in, in Impact. That run to the title with Callahan was incredible. Um, I felt so bad for Impact that that, yeah. that that title win came the day after, was it? The actual case it was so beautifully built as well. It, it felt organic. She lost the X Division five way first, and it was like that great build from... And Callahan, obviously, uh, the perfect heel for her as well. Yeah, I agree with you, Rosson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from an in-ring point, they should have signed her yesterday. I don't know how big the baggage is. Like... I suppose from our point of view, we don't know how the industry perceive her at this point as well. Um, and I don't want to over or understate that because I don't think any of us know. But like you say, uh, like Dom just mentioned as well, like on talent alone, WWE will have her because she's that good. So, yeah, I, th I think it's a fair prediction. AEW need her in terms of, I think, I still think that women's division needs shots in the arm all the time. But AEW yeah. need three of her. <laughs> well, I, and I and I'm, I'm not here to put the boots into anyone that's there or not there, but just just the sheer numbers. They, they need yeah. stars, right? Yeah. Like the WD Women's Division on main roster is, is so good. I know NXT have done it maybe more organically, but the reason that WWE main roster is so good is they have stars for these up and comers to go against. You know, like yeah. as much as people maybe don't like the booking of a Charlotte or whoever, like when they wrestle people, it's a big deal, and there's no one in AEW. Days on that level, they might have had it with Kong before she left, but they haven't now. Like I just, even a Jordan Grace would give that division loads, right? So yeah, yeah, that's a shout. Yeah, big time. I, a big fan of both of those. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure if Tyre Valkyrie covers that 
sort of thing if they were to get her. I know she's probably going WWE. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, what, why aren't they? Why isn't she involved in this crossover thing then? The contract's up, right? Yeah, I think she left Impact. Yeah, I'm just presuming. Oh, she's, right. I don't want to be that guy that just puts couples together. I just presume she's going to follow Morrison over, but yeah. She might do. I don't, she, I don't know if she's even on that level of. Uh, she's definitely not on the Tessa Blanchard level, but like, if we're mentioning Jordan Grace, I don't know if Ty Valkyrie is even in the, that category. AEW do need something on a wider. <laughs> Your prediction obviously wasn't the AEW Women's Division. <laughs> that needs that needs some work, and I think Tessa would be from an in-ring point of view. There's undeniably she's massive for that. Yeah. I would say that you could have Brit and um, Brit and Rebby maybe go over for them tag belts on Impact as well. Yeah. Does Rebby does Rebby wrestle? I don't. I don't know she, what a what a goal. Take a bump, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, love that, Ross. Good, good conversation started with Tess. What uh, what else you got for us? I'm um, going over to the world of SmackDown now, um, and the past few months um, of 2020, I thought um, largely due to the elevation from Roman Reigns, but. Reigns gave him the ball, and my God, did Jey Uso run with it. Um, I thought Jey Uso was absolutely unbelievable. Um, obviously, it's unfortunate that Jimmy got the injury at WrestleMania. Um, and a lot of the times when an Uso is injured, the other one has to sit on the sidelines and wait. And I think that the fact that they gave Jay the ball to have that angle with Roman Reigns was a big pat on the back to him in terms of trust and I don't think that anyone thought it would be as successful as it was because he was unbelievable as a plucky underdog. Um, his, his, his acting was amazing. His wrestling was amazing. Uh, his storytelling was amazing. Um, and I think that nobody in the back can say that this guy does not warrant a bit of a push thanks t- t- to his work. And I think that this is the 2021 is the year that he wins some single, some singles gold. Um, obviously that you've got um, the intercontinental belt, is it? <laughs> I always lose yep. the mid-card um, belts on different brands um, that, that Big E has at the moment. So that's a, a face who, who he could easily be up against at, at, at WrestleMania. Um, and I, yeah, I just think that um, it's illogical not to put a strap on him in terms of his work that he did last year. Um, and, and actually... Who knows for um, how long Reigns is going to have that title for, and he could well be the guy that takes it off him. The I so I don't know much about Jimmy's injury. Is is there any sign of Jimmy returning to the it ring? Close. Yeah, it was announced as nine months when he got it at Mania. So you'd wonder if um, you'd you'd wonder if there are a chance of taking the tag titles and stabling up with Roman. That doesn't mean that, um, you know, there's not an opportunity for singles gold as well. But I just, I, I, I wonder if almost like Jimmy's return could put a dampener on, on Jay's, not, not, his, not his star, but Jay's opportunity at singles gold. But I, I'd, I'd be well in for uh, Jay so versus Big E, that's for sure. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- um, I agree. Something else that um, excites me, having seen what happened at the Royal Rumble, is um, if Jimmy is to come back, um, obviously this is going against, short term, this is going against Jay's singles push, um, but the potential now for Usos against Edge and Christian, that excites me. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, I've been that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, if Edge chooses to face Reigns, like they're not going to face each other straight away, it'd be a nice little lead up. Yeah, well, weird, isn't it? Because six months ago, if like someone had told me, well, whenever months ago before he got the title shot, he'd have said to me that um, Jay Uso was going for the world title. It, it's like one of them 2K glitches when it ruins <laughs> your universe and him and Primo are going for the belt all the time. And you're just like, oh, what is going on? Um, but he, yeah, like he just killed it, didn't he? Like, I think an Intercontinental title run, not only could I see it happen, but I think fans would be into it. And like, if you'd have said that pre the Roman feud. Yeah no one would have been into it. They would have yeah. laughed at you. But literally, like, not just the matches, but even the promo when he says, uh, paraphrasing, but, oh, when people see me, they ask, which one are you? Yeah, yeah. Like, even that promo was fire, you know? Like, so, yeah, he, he has differentiated himself from his brother now, probably to his brother's um, detriment. But, yeah, no, I'd be behind him getting a singles push. Certainly. I wonder if it... I. I wonder if Jey Uso is one of the people on the roster who's actually trusted to write his own promos. Because there's no way that, like, um, you know, Dewey Foley is sitting backstage writing <laughs> writing that, like, street talk stuff about the penitentiary and lockdown and, yeah, Us. But there's yeah. no way someone's writing that in a script, are they? So, yeah. like... That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, I Ryan Ward's over there on SmackDown, if you believe the dirt sheets, right? So and everyone loved him in NXT. So, is it? I mean, I, I again, I don't know. I don't know. I just uh, they, that name always comes up with like hipster wrestling fans of like, yeah, since he went SmackDown, it's been good. So I don't know if it's true. Even <laughs> I, but any, no, regardless, the the idea that wrestlers need to have more control over their promos is a pretty consistent one um, in the world of the wrestling pundits. I know and, uh, the conversation has come up quite a bit on the um, Facebook chat that we have um, about talking sm- smack and how I say, like, it's very much sink or swim. And it's yeah. very much, if you prove yourself that you can come across real on that show without a script, then there's every chance that in the, ne- in the next coming weeks, then you'll be on the show doing that, basically. Ross, uh, number four, mate. Yes, mate. So number four... <laughs> As I, <laughs> as I shoot a cow. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. Let me just tie up my horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is that uh, cattle rustled yet? And <laughs> <laughs> um, so number four is uh, Randy Orton to win another he- heavyweight title. Um, yeah. Someone who's been very much in the main event scene the past past twelve months, really. Um, and I make the argument that surely we're, le- we're leading up to Cena versus Orton, um, who, both of which um, will, will be tied at 16 World Championships at some point soon, in my opinion. And Orton needs another two, I think, to reach that point. Um, and I think that we can see him getting another heavyweight title win in the calendar year. Um, the stuff that he's doing at the, at the moment, I know it's Marmite for a lot of people, but I think he's doing an absolutely brilliant job. Um, I personally really enjoy it. Wrestling should be fun. And and this hocus pocus kind of world that he's in at the moment, I really dig. Um, and his in-ring work, um, because of his character work becoming a lot more interesting and a lot more fun, I think that his in-ring work has become a lot better as well. Um, so for me, I see him picking up another 2021 
heavyweight title and I think a WrestleMania main event to for either Orton or Cena to beat Flair's record um, is going to be in the horizon, not too not too far away. Uh, yeah, I I could not agree more on Orton. I've never been the biggest Orton fan um, since his initial Intercontinental Title run. That's about the last time that I really felt connected to the bloke. Uh, and that was that was what you say, fifteen world titles ago. But I um I like this is probably the most I've ever enjoyed him in his career. Like I I don't, and it's not the it's not necessarily the Bray Wyatt and the Fire stuff, but it's just um I just think he's just doing good work. He just looks when he comes on the screen, he just looks comfortable in what he's doing. He completely trusts trusts what he's doing. I I, don't, I just think, and he's believable in everything he does. Doesn't have bad matches. Um, he was the perfect opponent for Drew. Like they, they had some underrated contests, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, that I mean, yeah, pe- pe- people probably won't, they probably won't stand out when people look back at Drew McIntyre's title run. But I, I do think that Orton helped so much, like just to give Drew someone to work with that could work a bit. Um, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what Orton's doing. It's really funny, hey, like the um, you caught the hocus pocus stuff, Ross. It's funny how wrestling fans love that stuff as long as it's ironic. But like, <laughs> but the minute that like it's sort of like a little bit serious, you're like, oh no, this is rubbish. It's so, it's so, all the camera cuts and the, I can't, it, I can't get into it. It takes me out of it. But then when Cena does it at Mania and it's tongue in cheek, people yeah. are like that's the greatest piece of art I've ever seen. Oh, what a genius! Kevin Dunn is a genius. You know, like. But that, it's just funny, like, re- yeah, it's, as long as it's ironic, wrestling fans will put up with any shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am obviously a card-carrying member of the Orton's Brilliant Brigade. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I love Orton. And I always, I think me and John will have said this to you guys before, but we always joke that whenever Orton has a good run, people say it's the best run of his career. And it happens like every two years, he does something really good. And people go, oh, this has got to be the best run of Orton's career. That's not me throwing shade at you, by the way, Dom. I do genuinely no, believe no. you think oh. this is his best run. But this seems to happen every couple of years, like with the Wyatt stuff, before we went, I tell you what, this is the best run of his career. And when he was a legend killer and when he had the run with Triple H, you know. So Stephanie, like, yeah, handcuffing yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, you're right. There's like, been a I, lot of good runs. And like, he has had a lot of bad runs, but like, yeah, I'll always watch Orton. I don't care if people think he's boring. He's great to look yeah. at as well. What a specimen. Yeah, brilliant. I, yeah, handsome looking fella. Do you know what it is? And I just, and you are right. And I've said that every single time with Orton too. Like I, <laughs> I do forget some of the good things, but there's one common thing about that and it's all heel work. Like if they ever try to turn in baby face again, I'm like, fuck, don't. Stop trying to turn him babyface. I'll tell you what the problem is, Dom. That RKO is over yeah, like Rover. Uh, over like If you can get a crowd to be quiet and sit on their hands when he teases an RKO, they'll never turn him face again until that yeah. day. I'll t- tell you what doesn't work. So I'll tell you what doesn't work so well as a baby face is the headlock and the stomps. The carving stomps, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, it's... I, and and the and I've told you boys this before, but you know for the the other two people that are listening, um, the way he stands still in his babyface comebacks doesn't work for me. He's he's like Andre the Giant after thirty eight beers. He just stands in the middle of the ring and lets people come to him to feed 
two clotheslines, one power slam. And I know that wrestling is paint by numbers. I know it's formulaic, but it, for some reason, Orton's babyface comebacks really great me. That so, power um, slam will be beautiful, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah it, I am it's, definitely over-defending now, but yeah. It's certainly it's Ross's that, point. It's never my point. <laughs> that that power slam, I don't I don't think it's winning the gold in the Olympics, but I think it's in the final. Yeah. Um, caveat to this one: um, Who do you think would win that um, fantasy booking sixteen v sixteen world title match? Cena. I also think Cena. But that's Cena, not, uh, he's the, Cena's, he's, Cena's going back to Hollywood, maybe. It won't shock me, but I would say Cena. Do you reckon it'll be um, a, 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 a a double DQ because um, what's his name comes in the ring? John, uh, uh, John Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big Ric Flair fan trying to defend them. their robe. Oh, that was so. <laughs> that was one of them four AM too much cocaine storylines, wasn't it? Oh, he hate, he loves Ric Flair. He's just gonna come out. Oh. <sighs> I'd like to see Lacey Evans' husband do a run-in. <laughs> <laughs> he wants anyone to win. He's like, yeah. You. <laughs> Those phantom brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob, Armstrong, um, Rob Armstrong pointed out to us that apparently Rick didn't bring the brass knuckles out. So it was just... Is that why Lacey did what she did? <laughs> like I, costume flapping I'll call it. <laughs> I thought it was meant to be yeah I, I I saw it and I was like oh that looks a bit lame but then I was like oh she must be holding a roll of quarters I thought that's because that's, that's like a thing in wrestling like anytime someone, Joe. yeah but it is the thing anytime someone holds something in their hand in wrestling it's always a roll of quarters yeah yeah, yeah. what um, they need to do is do all the old new Japan get the big Izuka glove Get that there, like, <laughs> bang in someone's face. You can't punch with it. Oh, it's like a poke. It's like a, a I like that even more. Yeah, like a, a four a four finger. Ch- I like, like there has to be performative. That's yeah. what I like because the crowd go, oh no, <laughs> tinfoil glove. <laughs> <laughs> Who put their hand in that mold? Whose hand is that? It's no person's hand. Like, <laughs> there's a one month storyline around this glove, so I love it. Who are we? Yeah, I'll argue. I also loved in his um last match that he just left it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I he picked it up. Lovely. And now Tai Chi fuming, it's gone just because he can't cheat. <laughs> We've gone from Randy Orton to Tai Chi. Speaking of controversial heels, <laughs> but <laughs> um. I reckon we're getting towards the end of part one here, lads. What, Ross, have you got one more? Yeah, I've got one more for you. And um, to tie in with um, Brummett's final one, which was titled, I'm Worried. <laughs> um, this one is that NXT UK TakeOver Dublin still doesn't happen. Um, obviously, we've got huge issues with our, uh, with our pandemic over in the UK and Ireland. Um, we haven't dealt with it particularly well. We're doing, <laughs> yeah. we're doing our um our herding where we're letting people out far too early and then wondering why people are getting it um and it seems to be that that's going to be the case again with likelihood of february or march where, where people are going to be let out even though 
not everyone's been vaccinated again. So who knows when, when everyone's getting this vaccination. And it's supposed to be happening in, in October, this event, which, which is the next takeover in NXT UK's calendar. I, 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 I just don't think it's going to happen, um, which is really sad. Um, but for someone who probably loves NXT UK more than anyone else, it's not affecting the shows yet. Um, I don't feel bored by the shows because there's no takeover to like aim towards. Um, but it's just a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because that that doubling crowd was something that Dom has, has experienced. Matt, have you been to? The, no, I've not, not been to an Irish wrestling show. I know uh, really, Dom absolutely loved it when he went mm. with uh, Pete. Um, and I think on screen, like the Blackpool crowd in the UK have probably been the best version of it at the takeovers, I would argue. Um, but I think that the Dublin one would blow it out of the water. So it's a shame that it's not going to be on screen for a while yet. I think 2022 is going to be when live events are going to be happening again in the UK. And and if they like if they manage to book Bella versus Walter, it's, I mean I I think I'd think about getting a flight. Like, oh geez. I uh, mate, I, I think about swimming it. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ross, in your prediction, do you think that just Dublin won't happen or do you think they won't have a takeover then? Because you were talking as in, like, uh, TV's going to struggle to stay interesting without a takeover. So do you think they'll rearrange and just do a domestic takeover in the studio? Oh, no, sorry. Um, I was saying that so far, I don't think it has struggled to... No, I was, yeah, no, I meant, yeah, long-term, you think it might, yeah. it might run out of fears. It might not. So yeah. Do you think they'll just book a domestic studio-based one? Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it? Because there's no reason that they sh- that, 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 that they couldn't. Um, I guess it's you. You have to book it pretty far in advance, anyway, because they book in blocks, don't they? I'm not sure how many weeks they book in in, in each block. Is it maybe four, maybe four or five? Um, so you'd have so you'd have to long term book it. So why not, really? Just a case of putting a bit, a bit more um, Thunderdome in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that it's a shame. Like, like how I say, like the the atmosphere at that show would would be amazing, and the fact that they were building towards Walter and uh, Ballo is such a shame because obviously that would have been a, an incredible homecoming for him. I can't think of the last time that he wrestled over there. I, it, that's a it, that'd be a dream match of mine. I'd, yeah, I'd really love to see it. Love to see it with with a full crowd. It would be bananas. Yeah. I'm also glad that they they just haven't hot shotted it on you know NXT American TV or something. I like. I hope they do save it until Dublin. You know, yeah. I, I really hope they do. Well, well, with the amount that that, that voters on that TV show, it's <laughs> it's highly likely that, that that they won't hot shot it. Is he's only on it like once a month <laughs> yeah it still feels like an attraction right i think that's something that maybe i don't know what uh whether it's pandemic or whether it's just nxt uk being savvy but a water match still feels like a massive attraction on nxt uk at this point like the a kid match has i don't really care but like even i wanted to watch it because it's a water match and like we're getting them so sparsely now yeah so if they can do that for a few more months then you never know if they can find enough interesting opponents for the matches to still be sellable, then they can build to the ballot match. I don't, you're not really watching, right, Dom? 
Not really. I watch. I doubt. I watch it a little bit. Okay, but not that much. It's quite an interesting time at the moment with um, the title because obviously Volta is this kind of like indestructible final level boss. And I thought that I actually thought that they were going to drop the belt to Ilya in that match, and the fact that they didn't, and Ilya was 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 built up in such a way, and then a kid was built up in a way where he won what five matches in a row in that tournament. Like, it's going to take a while to build someone up to that point. And they've gone the opposite way with Trent Seven. They're going to make him lose weight to go up to the cruiserweight title. <laughs> now that's an exciting match. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'm here for it. We were having yeah. um, discussion earlier, Don. Where what weight do you think he is? I reckon. I I'm not uh, I'm not great at judging. I don't think they would say that unless he was actually a lot closer to the weight than what you might think. I, he's already lost a lot of weight, hasn't he? But we just haven't seen him, you know, maybe we haven't seen him for a month without his shirt on. I I reckon he is, so I know that 100 kilograms is 220 pounds, right? I reckon he's probably already not, he might be 98 kilos or something like that. So I bet he's about 215. I reckon he needs to lose two, like ten pounds, which is yeah. really that's like you know. I mean, I'm I'm a lot heavier than that, so I mean that's a big feed for me. Like it's not that much. Like, In terms of um, like how like how much fun Trent Seven is or like on camera, I'm really looking forward to like some some like skits where he's trying to lose weight. Big time. <laughs> we need the version one stuff all over again. Right? It's got to it's got to be version one stuff. He he has to do it. Banana juice and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see him chasing a chicken around like Vince and Shane before yeah, that rumble. Yeah. Imagine that. I'm I'm, I imagine that in the snow here in in a, in a UK February. Outstanding. <laughs> That'd be so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. Those are my five, Dom. Brilliant. Outstanding stuff. So, um, I reckon we put a little put a little pin in this. Come back next week. What do you reckon, lads? Sounds good to me, mate. Sold. Yeah. Well, there we have it. 2021 predictions and discussion points from Matt Brummett and Ross Casey. Thanks so much for those two fellows for sharing their opinions, their ideas, and getting some good conversations about the wrestling world started. Next week, we'll return with Matt Connolly's ideas and, of course, my own. Uh, we'll be joined with the same guests again. So make sure you tune in to get the second half of this 2021 predictions episode. Until then, though, guys, this is the Wrestling Should Be Fun pod, and I'm Dom Phil. Drink lots of water. Look after your mates.